0: Simeon and Anna were old. When you are old, you get used to waiting, even as you come to realize that you haven't got as much time left to wait as you once had. The older you get, the shorter time becomes. The faster time moves. And with it, there is greater urgency to your waiting. Anna was 84 years old, had outlived her husband. Luke doesn't tell us how old Simeon was, but does tell us that he was righteous and devout and had been waiting a long time for the consolation of Israel. That is, that God would keep his promise to his people, restore their lives, restore all that was lost, bring them back, comfort them. We know Simeon was old because Luke tells us that it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen with his own eyes the Messiah. That same Spirit guided him to the temple in Jerusalem on that particular day. Anna, we are told, never left the temple, but stayed day and night praying and fasting, so much so that people didn't even see her anymore. On this day, however, their lives intersected with the lives of Mary and Joseph and their child Jesus, whom they had brought, in keeping with tradition, to the temple for presentation to the Lord. Mary and Joseph walk into the temple courtyard through the chaos of people and animals, through priests and supplicants, through those making sacrifice and those selling animals for sacrifice. My guess is that there were other parents and other babies, too. In the midst of all this, Simeon sees the child, and a smile comes to his face. He reaches out to hold the child. Mary instinctively trusts this old man. She places Jesus in his arms, expecting a blessing. Simeon looks into the child's eyes, gently rocks him, sings him a little nonsense song then looks up into the heavens, laughing. Lord, now let your servant depart in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. This child will be a light for the nations, to the glory of your people Israel. Here, Luke's gospel merges with John's. The word made flesh and living among us. In him was life, John says, and that life was light for all people. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has never put it out. Back to Luke. Then come these ominous and disturbing words from Simeon. He looks at Mary and tells her, this child is destined for the falling and rising of many. Note that it is falling and rising, not rising and falling. A small but important detail here. God brings down the mighty and raises up the lowly, unlike those who grab power and then crush the weak. This child, Simeon says, is destined to bring down the mighty and raise up the broken and the forgotten. He will be a sign, Simeon says, a sign that will be opposed, rejected by many, and will reveal what is in their hearts. Then he turns and looks directly into Mary's eyes. A sword will pierce your own soul, will pierce your heart, will break your heart. By then, Anna, who has seen Simeon holding the child, comes over, and she too praises God. This is the one. This is the one. He will redeem, recover everything that has been lost. Simeon, in a few words, says, in effect, Now I can die in peace. I have seen God's salvation with my own eyes. I have held him in my arms. The song of Simeon, known as the nunc dimitas, is what is traditionally spoken at funerals as the casket is carried from the church. Let now your servant depart in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. In that moment, Simeon and Anna see what is and what is yet to be. Promise fulfilled and promise still to be revealed. Grace uncovered, but still to be discovered by everyone. Simeon echoes the prophet Isaiah. The nations will see your vindication. It will shine out like the dawn. Your salvation will shine like a burning torch. The kings shall see your glory. To be vindicated is to be proven right in real time. This is the fullness of time that Paul talks about in Galatians 4. The word is kairos. God's time, God's kairos intersects with our time, our chronos, the eternal vertical time intersects with our chronological horizontal time and everything is changed in those moments. God is revealed in the fullness of time in the right time in the midst of our lives in the midst of the ordinary in the midst of the unremarkable. There it is God unexpectedly shows up. There it is that God is revealed. And here in the gentle trembling hands and in the tears of an old man and the laughter of an old woman, God is revealed in flesh and bones, and we have a glimpse of what is coming. Paul goes on in Galatians, through this little child we ourselves become children of God. There was another old man, Nicodemus, who would come to Jesus many years later and ask, how can anyone be born all over again? Nicodemus should have talked to Simeon and Anna. The story of Simeon and Anna is told almost in passing in Luke's Gospel. It seems incidental It's one of the few stories about Jesus in between the manger and his baptism by John in the Jordan when he begins his ministry. Therein is the reason this story is not incidental. In this story is revealed who Jesus really is and who he is destined to be. With a glimpse of the cross, in Simeon's last words to Mary. It looks back, it reveals God in the moment, and it looks ahead. This story is a bridge. It bridges the past, the present, and the future. The long cry for deliverance, God revealed among us, with us, and God acting for us, the promise to redeem, recover, Restore all that is broken and lost. In lament, there are three questions. The first question is, why? The second question is, how long? The third question is, where are you? In this story, the lament of Israel and the lament of all of us is answered. Here I am in a place you never expected. When I was a kid, I used to ask my mom lots of questions. She would do her best to answer them. The older I got, the harder the questions. The hardest of all was why. Why do people get sick? Why do people die? Why do some people have lots of stuff and some people have nothing? Why do people hate each other? Why are people selfish? Why do people hurt each other? Why do people kill each other? The harder the questions got, the more reluctant my mom was to answer. The existential questions stumped her. She would reply, Well, Steve... There are some things we are not meant to know. That worked for a while, but not for long. Why aren't we meant to know? I drove her crazy. Then I became a minister. Now people ask me those questions. When I was a chaplain at a critical care hospital west of Chicago many years ago, a young woman in her thirties, with three small children and a loving husband, was dying of ovarian cancer. She called me to her room in the middle of the night, desperately held tightly onto my hand, pulled me toward her, and through her tears asked me, Why am I dying? I was silent for a few moments. I don't know, I told her, but you are not alone. I stayed with her for a long time until she could cry all she could cry. She held my hand as I got up to leave. She could not let go, holding tightly my hand, believing perhaps that if she held onto my hand, she would not die. Then she relaxed and let go. The prayer of Simeon could be the prayer of all who are dying. Lord, now let your servant depart in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. But the story of Simeon and Anna is not just the story of those who have been hanging on to life, looking for salvation, looking for deliverance, looking for the assurance That what has been is not always what will be. It is also the story of God revealed in weakness, God revealed incidentally in the most unlikely places. There is no place where God cannot be found, where God does not hide in plain sight. So it was in the manger, so it was in the temple courtyard. So it was on a cross. It is the story of all of us who look for, who long for hope. This has been a difficult year for us. The pandemic has closed down what we thought was our life. But in the midst of it all, God has been revealed. God has been playing hide and seek, hoping we will find him. And we have looked for and found God in spite of this pandemic and maybe especially because of this pandemic. Eli Wiesel tells a story, an old Hasidic tale. Rebbe Baruch's grandson, Yehiel, came running into his study in tears. Yehiel, Yehiel, why are you crying? He asked. My friend cheats. It's unfair. He left me all by myself. That's why I'm crying. Would you like to tell me about it? Yes, grandfather. We played hide-and-seek, and it was my turn to hide and his turn to look for me. So he gave up. He stopped looking. And that's unfair. The old man began to caress Yahiel's face, and tears welled up in his eyes. God, too, Yahiel, he whispered softly. God, too, is unhappy. He is hiding, and no one is looking for him. Do you understand, Yahiel? God is hiding, and no one is even searching for him. With Simeon and Anna, keep looking. God waits to be found. And in the finding, we can say with Simeon, let now your servant depart in peace. In Christ, we have found God, and in Christ, God finds us. Amen.